right. Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be here? Amen. It's really great. You know, it really beats the nursing home or the funeral home. It really does. So whenever you think about, boy, this church thing, I don't know. We're going to talk about that today. You know, this Just remember, it beats a lot of other places um, that you could be. Hey, we are looking today. This is what, week number four, I think, of our Better Homes and Gardens. Better homes make for better gardens. And we're talking about saving the family farm. And really, that has nothing to do with farming. All this is like coming to me after preaching this once already today, but has nothing to do with farming, but rather has to do with the local church. You see, you know, if you think about the two words there, family farm, you know, a church is a family of believers, okay, and that family of believers is made up of families, and families of different kinds. Um, Did you know that 69% of households in America, children are raised with both parents, and then and only 27% have the most challenging job, and that is the household of a single parent. Um, 23% of those are the mom, and 4% are the dads. One of the most challenging things you can do is be a single parent, and we recognize that. I want you to know, and, and we hope we're doing a halfway decent job of supporting you and loving you in that. And then 4%, of course, have no parent in the home whatsoever. And then it doesn't matter if it's black or white, rich or poor, The family of God is a wonderful mix of people. So we have the family, and then we got the farm. And what is a farm? It's a farm where good things grow. A farm is a place where good things grow. So we've got this wonderful mix of people, the family, and we got a place, again, where good things grow, the family farm. But notice something. It says, saving the family farm. Is the farm in trouble? Is the farm... In trouble. You know, one thing we learned through COVID, actually pre-COVID, pre-COVID, we started seeing that brick and mortar was in trouble. As more and more people went shopping on Amazon or on websites, more and more brick and mortar places went under. I mean, did you ever dream a time, if you're my age, 67, or even if you're not, you know, when there wouldn't be a Sears and Roebuck? You know, so many stores that were just main pillars of our economy are gone. They're just gone. And, of course, then through COVID, we've seen other, lots of other brick and mortars simply cease to exist. So the question is, is the family farm, is the local church in danger? Is it in danger? It's a common fact that in our culture today, that church attendance is down. That church attendance is down. In fact, you know, Tom Rainer, uh, one of the guys I go listen to occasionally, I did earlier this year, he, he made a good point. He said, you know, what we've seen is not that people stop going to church. They just come less frequently. You know, people who used to go four times a week are now going three or less. And that doesn't sound like a big deal. But did you know if you take people, let's say you had 100 people, 100 people, and let's say 25% of them went from attending four times a week to three times a week, did you know that reduced your attendance by 25%? And they haven't gone anywhere. They still love God. They're still around. They just don't tend to church as often. And then... And then we've seen, honestly, we've seen a bigger dip in attendance through COVID and through other matters of culture. So could the, could the local church disappear? Well, not totally disappear, but I'm telling you it is in danger. If you don't believe me, go to Canada. If you don't believe me, go to England. If you don't believe me, go to France. If you don't believe me, go to most of Europe. And you'll see the brick-and-mortar churches simply have become museums and mausoleums instead of the house of God. So I think it's viable to ask today, you know, what do we need to do to save 
the family farm. Well, our first teaching point is simple. It simply says this. You know, there's only a couple ways you can save the family farm. The family farm can be saved by, one, determining who we are, and second, how we live. We really have to nail down who we are. I'm already deciding in my brain, at what point do I share what I want to share as I, this message was just fresh baked. I mean, I've been working on it for weeks, literally, but, but this morning some things changed. But I'm sitting there going, you need to know something about your pastor. And some of you know my story. You know my story. But, you know, I was in church for 21 years, and I never forgot who I was. Um, church was someplace I went for social. Uh, church was a place I went to have, you know, a girlfriend. Um, church is where I, I just went to do is my social life. I, I graduated in a class of 714 kids. And trust me, I was a very small minnow in a very large pond. And the chance of me having a social life there was nil. But guess what? Church, especially when I got my license, when I turned 16, hello, all of a sudden I was really a popular guy because I was the only person with a car. So but my question is going to be today, do you know who you are? Let me rephrase that. Do you know whose you are? Do you know whose you are? And then, and then, how are we going to live? Because, you know, knowing who we are and knowing how we're going to live, it's really going to determine the family farm. Family farm. You know, there's a couple worldviews. I, I really figured out there's actually three. I, you know, I, I think there's the, the worldview of the world, and there's a worldview, worldview of a religion, and then there's the, the gospel-centric worldview. Uh, the, the, the worldview of religion, it, you know, it changes a lot. But there, again, Christianity is just, I, I don't want to throw Christianity in the pot with religion because it's so different from standard religion. You know, again, you know, our, our faith depends on the cross and what Jesus Christ did, so ours is done. And everybody else, all the other religions in the world are due. Do, 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 do. In some ways, that can be a drawing card to keep people active in church because they say, if I don't go to church, I go to hell. So that's kind of a motivating factor, they believe. They believe. But basically in our world, in our culture, there's a couple of worldviews. The first is, you know, the Christian worldview. And that's, and that's where we take this book. And we, what we do is we pretend like it's a pair of glasses. And we put them on our, on our heart. And we look at our priorities and our actions and the things we do through Scripture. Through Scripture. So this becomes our lens on how we do life. Well, the amazing thing was, and I've used the word, and I'm sure I've even read the def- definition, but this morning I looked up the other worldview, and that's humanistic, humanistic worldview. And it was such a, you've got to be kidding me, moment I had to share it with you this morning. Because, again, it's a major worldview, particularly in American Western culture. Now, I know this print's small. Um, I did, I, no, I didn't get this in the app. So you've got to get it right here. So what is humanism? Humanism is an outlook or a system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. In other words, the humanist simply believes this. It's outside of God. All right. It's all about us. The supreme importance is the human being. Now, here's the deal. If that is true, if that is true, then that simply means this. There's no need for a gospel. There's no need for a gospel. I love what Second Sense says. Humanist beliefs stress the potential value and goodness of human beings. In other words, human beings basically and centrically are good, and therefore there's no need for a gospel. There's no need for a gospel. And then, then they say this. It's, they emphasize 
common human needs and seek slowly, or, I'm sorry, like, sh- um, solely to rationalize the rational uh, ways of solving human being, uh, human problems. So, so they take it and they say, you know what? Yeah, there are problems, but we can solve it within the realm of humanity. Now, that is so different. That is so different from the Word of God. But I really think this is influencing our culture more than ever, and I think it's leaking into the church. As our culture changes and becomes more and more humanistic, um, as our culture shifts away from God and Christianity, or culturally Christianity, then all of a sudden we start buying into the humanistic theology. So we've got to be so careful as we do this. Now, now here's a farm analogy, all right, but it is so true, and that is this. Good seed sown in good soil um, results in a good harvest. Good seed sown in good soil results in a good harvest. Now, that's a truism. We, we go, oh, yeah, that's true, okay, but every farmer will tell you it's not totally true. Because you can have the best soil in the world and the best seed in the world, and you don't get any rain, you don't have a crop. If you don't put down the right fertilizer, you don't have a crop. But the essentials are true. Good seed sown in good soil results in a good harvest. That works on the farm. But it also works in the family, and it also works in the church. Well, for the last four weeks, you have seen a slide in the video that is a cog... Okay, a keystone in the message today. And that slide asks a very valid question. It says this, does attending church really matter? In other words, is the church really valid? Is the church really valid? Now, I, I know some of you instantly go, of course it is. But do you understand a lot of, for a lot of folks this question has been readdressed, and this question is very valid. You know, COVID, if anything, COVID was like a gigantic um, test drive for people. And the test drive was this. You know, do I really need church? So some of them, some of them, because of the COVID, were out of church a whole year. Some of them are still out of church. Again, Tom Rainer said this. Tom Rainer said, in the end... When all this is said and done, about 20% of people who were regular attenders at church will not be back. And they are not mad at God. They simply came to a conclusion. COVID helped me realize that what I thought was true. I don't need church. I don't need church. Church just doesn't matter in my life. And that I want you to know, I understand, I get where they're coming from. And we're going to talk about that today. In fact, I'm going to give you an answer today. But we've got to look hard at this question and you. Does church really matter? Is church an essentiality in your life? Or is church, and I'm going to use the word church intentionally, not Jesus and not religion. You know, is church an essentiality or is church an option? I can take it. And I can leave it. We need to answer and address that question today. And we do it, and we do it by a wonderful parable that Jesus Christ taught. We find in Matthew chapter 13. 
In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a story. He loved to tell stories. And so he tells this great story, throws it out there, and it's called the parable. Actually, it's called the parable of the sower. You could also call it the parable of the soils. Okay, either one works, and it's known as both. But basically, Jesus tells a story about a guy who goes and sells, uh, throws some seed. And as he throws the seed, it lands in different environments, producing different outcomes. Let me say that again. The sower was sowing seed, and as he threw it, it threw in different areas and had different outcomes. So the, the guys, as they often did, going, what did he mean by that? What did he mean by that? So, so later on in the same chapter, okay, starting in verse number 18, Jesus explains the parable. He says, okay, guys, I know you're wondering, this is what the seed thing was all about, okay? And we want to learn today, okay, about the seed thing because it's going to determine, does church really matter? Actually, what I'm fixing to say is going to determine for you whether church really matters. So in the opening verse of Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, it's just two words. So listen. So listen. In this case, he says, so listen to the parable of the sower. Now, the word listen there in this context means to hear with the intention of acting. Write that down if you're taking notes. To hear with the intention of acting. Of acting, so so when 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 Jesus says, "Hey, listen now, listen to this parable," and I don't want you to be listen, I don't want you to be like the uh, woman who the lady, the wife who asked her husband to take out the trash, and he doesn't move. Okay, Jesus says, "I want you to listen like the woman, the wife who says, honey, take out the trash,' and he actually gets up and does it, and does it." So, so Jesus said, so listen to the parable of the sower. Now, the baby brother, uh, half-brother of Jesus was James. Okay, I still love it. Every time I tell you this, I love it. I just can't imagine growing up in the household with, with Jesus, you know? You know, the big brother who never messed up, Jesus, you know? I know some of you kids feel that way, you know, about your brothers and sisters, you know? And you're a little bit jealous, all right? So, but James writes this book. Okay, right before he dies, before he's martyred, he writes this book, and, and here's what he says. Don't just listen to God's word. Now, here's the problem. Many people wrestle with, does church really matter? Because that's what they do. For many people, church boils down to, I come to church, I sing Two or three songs, Dwayne or Brent or somebody gets up and speaks at me, at me, at me for about 35 minutes, and I go home. And then we go, I'm not sure that's working for me. And again, for a year of out of church, there are still people going, is it worth going back for? And I'm, I'm so grateful for so many of you who had to stay out for all that time. You're back. God bless you. Thank you for coming back. But son, and don't judge. Don't cast rocks. Okay? Just, they're still wrestling with it. Does that work for me? And the reason why it's become so fashionable to make church so optional is because all we do is listen. All we do is listen. You know, James says, James says, you must do what it says. Amen. James says, 
you, yeah, it's good that you listen, but you've got to, listen, 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 this is crucial. Yeah, listen, James would say, but you've got to apply what it teaches. If you come to church, and you maybe you're going, going, maybe you're pondering this. Maybe you're going, you know what? <laughs> you don't know this. I'm back, but I'm not sure I'm going to stay back. I'm just not sure. I, I'm not sure it's worth my time, Dwayne. And the reason why is because we've gotten a habit of hearing but not applying. It doesn't work for us. It doesn't work for us. Yeah. You know, I have this great habit. I'm going to help. This is secret. Okay, it's just between, just between us. If you don't have any money, you can't give any. I don't bring my wallet to church. See, it's flat. Yeah. I, if, you know, if Brent says, hey, can you owe me five? Sorry, dude, don't have anything. You, know, you want to buy lunch today? Sorry, dude, don't have anything. Okay? So, so here's the deal. What if I open a banking account, okay? I opened up, and they gave me this little debit card thing, you know? And so they said, Dwayne, how much money do you want to put in the account? Now, I say $20. So I put $20 in the account, okay? And then I go to Walmart, and I spend $19 of that. So there's a dollar left, okay? Now, I've got an account. I've even got a dollar in the account. But really, how profitable is that debit card to me now? It's not. It's not. Because I didn't make any deposits, and see, for church to matter in your life, you've got to make some deposits. Amen. You've got to make a commitment to come. And I, I confess, I am not a note taker. But you've got to find a way, whether it's Sunday school class or here, to do more than just listen to, to, the, to the text and to the truth. You've got to learn to get it internalized and part of your life. I go to the doctor. Hi, doc. Feeling a little buzzy-headed, you know. Things are just kind of out of source. Checks my blood pressure. And it's 190 over 100. And they say, Dwayne, you've got to get this under control. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to prescribe you a pill. But the pill won't do everything. You're going to have to help me. What I want you to do is I'd like for you to lose about 15 pounds. I'd like for you to be careful what you eat. And I want you to exercise. Okay? Okay, Doc. So I do go to CVS. And I do get the pills filled. And I manage to take the pill most of the time. And then, and then I go back in three months and have my blood pressure checked, and it's still about 175 over 95. Doc says, I don't understand this. Why is your blood pressure still high? Have you been exercising? No. no. Have you gave up the Whoppers yet? Um, no. Are you taking the pills? Well, kind of, <laughs> when, when I remember. And then you get mad at the doctor. Because your blood pressure is still high. No, you've got to do what the doctor says to get results. So true with church. If you want church to matter, you've got to do what the doctor says. Not me, the great physician. The great physician. And I'm telling you, this is such a huge game changer. But here's what I also know. Is that in the four in the four. Uh, souls that we're going to look at today, the, the outcome depends on our response to the seed in our soul. Okay? So how are you going to respond to the message today? What are you going to do with the truth that Jesus teaches? Now, 
To make it easier to remember, I've kind of signed L words. Uh, most of them, all one begins with C and ends in L, so you'll kind of remember it better. Okay, the first one is the cultural response. The cultural response. Now we see in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talking again. He says, "Well, here it is, guys." He says, "Anyone who hears the word." Now that's most Americans. Have you discovered? You know, you can ask Tim. You know, we'll go and say, uh, somebody wants help with the electric bill. Are you a Christian? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Go to church? No. When's the last time you went to church? Can't remember. You know? So I well, you don't need gas. You're a Christian? Oh, yes. You know, in Western culture, we've got it boiled down to, if you turn around in a church parking lot, I'm a Christian. You know? I, I went to church when I was one year old, you know? And I'm a Christian. Okay? So in that culture, I still remember how fresh it was. A lady named Cindy, I won't give you her last name, remember it very well though. And she used to come here and she walked to my office one day and, and wanted to know about how to be saved. So I explained like the gospel thing to her, you know. I said, have you ever heard this before? No. No. You're, you're, you know you live in America, right? No. And you know what? I almost can say that she'd heard the name Jesus, but not in the context of Jesus in heaven. And it was almost refreshing to find someone who was honest enough to say, this is news to me. But the bottom line is, because we're so uh, gospel and, you know, just saturated in America, we most hear the word. And then he goes on and says, anyone hears the word about the kingdom, but doesn't understand. Now, if you're writing down things today, write this down. I think he means two things. There's the mechanics of the gospel, and there's the terms of the gospel. The mechanics are this. The Bible says everybody has sinned. There are no exceptions besides Christ. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we sin, we are separated from God. And there is absolutely nothing we can do about that, so God did something. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a Roman cross because the payment for sin is death. And Jesus Christ died on a Roman cross that we could have forgiveness of sins. And our response to that is, okay, that one, we need to have faith that Jesus did what he did and is who he said he was. So we believe that he died and resurrected on the third day. And our second response is hugely important, that we are to turn from our sin and follow him. Turn from our sin and follow him. That's the response. That's the mechanics of it. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, willing to turn from our sin and follow him, God will forgive our sins. That's the mechanics. And that's not hard. That's simple. We make the gospel way too complex. We make the gospel way too complex. It's really quite simple. But there's also the terms. And the terms is this. That, that God does, as part of the deal, God does demand, demand that as the gospel process, the salvation process, we've got to repent. And we've got to turn and follow Jesus. Following Jesus isn't a prayer you prayed when you're three years old and did nothing with it. If you are truly born again, there's a following process. We call it sanctification. Sanctification. Now, this is so important because, again, when I did my deal, again, I was 21 years old before I met Jesus. I made a couple trips to the altar even, prayed a couple prayers, but nothing changed in my life. So it's got to be hugely important here in this first response that you understand that you have sinned against God, that you want to turn from that sin, and you choose to make a commitment to Him. And that commitment means calling Him Lord. To do what he says. To listen, but to do what he says. Well, 
Jesus continues and goes on and said, the deal is the seed is sown and then the evil, come, evil one comes along and snatches away what was sown in his heart and this is the one sown along the path. So the seed is sown and Satan comes along and steals the seed. How many times have we seen people walk into church and they, they like the jazzed up music and, and they like a guy who, who tries to keep them awake while he's talking, maybe tell a couple of jokes you know, some like mispronounced words for fun, you know, things like that. But then they, about three months later, they're gone. And see, if you don't act on the seed, Satan will steal it. Will steal it. So it's important. Are you today, are you culturally responding or have you let the seed soak in? That's important. I'm going to tell you one more time so you won't forget. 21 years I was in the church. I sang in quartets. I gave testimonies that would make people cry. Um, I was at church three times a week. I was a key member in the youth, on the youth council, Brent. And I was lost because I didn't respond to the seed. I listened, but I did not respond. Hugely important. So what's our teaching point? Well, the issue is not understanding uh, the gospel, okay, but the level of commitment. I think we understand the gospel. The average person in America... Now, it's different Muslim words, worlds, but an average person in America, if you give them the gospel, they're going to get most of it, okay? But salvation, the, the mechanics of it, salvation requires repentance, faith, and surrender. Anything else results in something else. Anything else results in something else. Now, in your worship app, there's another slide. Nancy, I'm going to slip to the next slide because I see we're getting short on time again, okay? But in the worship app, there's a slide there that you really need to go back and read sometime. It's very good. It talks about what a cultural Christian is. And it was a combination of two definitions I got from a couple of well-respected leaders that really, really will speak to your heart, all right? So then, then we're going to move down, all right? We're going to move down, and we're going to look at the casual response, the casual response. This is verse number 20. Here's how this goes. And the one sown, you know, Jesus said that the sower put some seed out and it fell in the rocks. And there's a little bit of dirt there. And, and the plant sprung up, but as soon as the sun started beating down, it withered up because there was no soil and there were no roots. Okay? That's what he says. And the one sown on rocky ground, he says, which a lot of bad and some good, a little bit of soil, okay, is the one who hears the word and then immediately receives it with joy. And again, oh, they come and they, they like the music and they like the, the talker. And oh, yeah, wow, whoos, bang. And they like that. And they receive it with joy. This is just what I've been looking for. This is just what, this makes me feel so good. And so they hang around for a while. For a while. Here's the deal. The joy, oh, the joy of the gospel, okay? But hearer beware of responding to a gospel that only requires a shallow commitment. I want you to hear me clearly today. If the gospel you got was a gospel that said, God expects nothing from you in sanctification-wise, you got the wrong gospel. Paul said, if anyone brings another gospel to you, let him be accursed. And the gospel of the Bible is a gospel that makes a commitment. I'm not saying you've got to go to church every week. In fact, this isn't even about going to church. But if you're sitting there today and you say, hey, I got saved when I was 16 years old. Now I can do what I want to. You ain't got the right gospel. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. We'll cover that in just a moment. Amen. So it's very, very important that we understand 
If your joy, you're, you're glad you, oh, I'm, I found what I've been looking for. I found, found this deal. That I like the preacher. I like the music. Beware. You know, a shallow gospel, a shallow commitment gospel is foreign to the scriptures. You can't find it. You can't. You would be shocked if you did a Bible study in the first, in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. At the times, Jesus said, listen, you cannot be my disciple and don't follow me. You, you can't be my disciple and not follow me. You have to. So this is hugely important. Well, he wasn't done yet. He goes on, verse 21, and says this. Because he has no root, and he is short-lived, and when distress or persecution comes, uh, because of the word, immediately he falls away. So that's a response. Yeah, people come, people listen on the radio, people watch on Facebook, people read a book, people listen to TV preachers, and they say, oh, that's what I want. But they don't understand the terms of the agreement. That Jesus calls us to follow him. To hear and to act. To hear, to allow the word to change us. To hear and to act. And what happens? They fade away. Would you like to be shocked sometime? I went back. Um, we were at nominating committee meeting. And I had a copy of the 1920. That's not like 1920. But... 2019 and 2020 church reference guide. And I was looking for people who'd say yes. So I'm flipping through the pages, and there were two shocking things. We've lost a lot of good people just since 2019. I mean, I was, I was shocked. I just didn't realize we'd lost so many good people to death. They, they died. But also, sadly, there are so many people who used to come. And I'm not talking about COVID. I mean, we're talking about this is pre-COVID. People who used to come and no longer do. Somehow they reached the conclusion that attending church just didn't matter. Just didn't matter. So then we move on. And we move on. Again, I'm skipping slides, Nancy. Let's move down to Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. I call this conflictional. And yes, that's a word. Rebecca, that's a word. I looked it up. Conflictional response. I like this one because it really hits close to me and my life. Now the one sown, there was some seed sown and it fell among some thorns. And because the thorns were because the thorns were sucking all the moisture, the plant lived. It was real. It just didn't bear any fruit. Let's see what he says. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Not that it didn't, it wasn't real, not that it dies. It just becomes unfruitful. And as a pastor, if you would like me to share from my heart, I really think this is a great danger in our lives today. There are so many things pulling at us. Do you remember a time when Sunday was sacred? Do you remember a time when there were no games, no tournaments, Sunday was guarded? I can remember way back when, when I first came here, and I was shocked that they had a soccer tournament on Sunday because nobody else did anything on Sunday. But there was a tournament on Sunday, the Michael Heron tournament, I think it was, Brent. And I was just surprised. We can remember a time... When Sunday was sacred, we blocked off that time 
for the church because we believed it mattered. What's happened today? Sunday's no longer sacred. It's not your fault, it's not my fault, unless we didn't speak up. But the bottom line is, is that for so many people, our calendars are chock full. And this culture over here that could give a flip about church says we're going to schedule all this stuff on Sunday and we either got to have the courage to say no or I'm going to go. Now again, if your point is church doesn't matter, then there you go. But do you understand that probability is is that your child is going to hear something here at church that matters? Have you thought about the fact that your child might hear something that may impact him when he's 16 years old or 20 years old? Or maybe when the future, when he's got a child and he's wrestling with being a dad or a mom, is it maybe just, do you think that maybe something he learned at Doorsville might later impact their lives? If we allow culture to, they will choke us out. I heard one amen. This is hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard because we all want the best for our kids. We all want the kids, our kids to be you know, involved in all this stuff. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if we're not careful, the world will choke out church. And when you choke out church, I personally believe you're in danger of choking out God. It's that important. We let the, we let the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth Choke it out and it becomes unfruitful. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24? You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. For, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. There's some, there is, listen, 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 listen. There is a line in the sand you've got to draw. There is a line in the sand you've got to draw. And if you don't draw that line, the world will draw it for you. And trust me, we all know the importance when mama dies of the church. We all understand the importance when there's an affair and some counseling is needed. What we don't understand is church is that important every single week. I mean, since I'm already in trouble, I might as well go all the way. You know what God is asking you? Look at me. You know what God's asking of you? Give God the same commitment you give to the ball team. Yep. That's all he's asking. Yep. You take kid comes in and says, I don't want to go to practice today. You were going to practice. You made a commitment. You'll drive, you'll drive to Mississippi to get your kid, your child to play in a, on a traveling team. All God's saying is give me that much commitment. Yep. He's not asking anything that you're already given to them. Am I right or wrong? Just tell me if I'm right or wrong. Amen. It's hard, it's difficult. I'm glad I'm old and my kids are raised. But I'm telling you, if God matters, then you've got to make an effort to make him matter. Amen. You just got to. You just got to. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The gospel response. It's funny. I wrote down the most correct response is the least chosen response. This is the most important response. Here's what it says. But the one who has seed sown on good ground, this is one who hears and understands the word. He hears and understands. In other words, remember what understands is? He hears, he understands the mechanics, but he also understands the terms. 
He understands the mechanics, but he also understands the commitment. Just like the parent who makes a commitment to a ball team, this Christian understands the mechanics and understands the terms. I have made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now listen, I understand church won't save you and get you to heaven, but church may save your child from a lot of heartache. Church might save your family from a lot of heartache. Does church matter? It does. It does. Only if you'll hear and apply. If not, it's a long two hours on Sunday morning. I love the slide that we didn't use, the one that says in the movie, it says, Sunday's my only day to sleep in. Do I have to go to church? I like that in a bad way. Because I've heard that question. I think I heard it this week. How interesting is that? How interesting is that? So he says, if it's sown good ground, now, the one who hears and understands, uh, it will produce fruit. And, and, and yields like 100 and 60 and 30 over what was sown. The church is productive. The church is worth it if we'll apply it. I'm glad to report to you I don't preach this today because my job is on the line. No one marches in my office and says, your attendance is down, which by the way, ours is up. But attendance is down, you better. No, has not. I love you. I've been doing this a long time. And I've watched how this has worked out in people's lives. I, I know. We have a friend in Cobden that broke the rules. She uh, married a lost guy. You know, the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked together. And she was a good Christian girl. And she married this guy. And guess what? It turned out great. He's a deacon now and serves in the church and all kind of things. Been married for 40 years, I guess, 42 years. But I can't count the number on the hand of the people who broke the rules. And it turned out right. Sherry was one. But more than likely, when we choose not to follow the rules, then we end up in trouble. Look at me. God loves you. If you don't come to church, He loves you. If you don't keep the rules, He loves you. This has nothing to do with your performance. It has nothing to do with if you don't do it, God's going to zap you. It has to do that God loved you enough to send you a big fat love letter that said, I love you. This is the view that we need to look through. You know, I've never seen people who genuinely got saved that said, well, I wish I'd never made that decision. And I've known so many Christians who've made the commitment to follow Christ intently. And I've never met, went to the hospital and they're on their deathbed going, oh, I wish I would have done this or done that. I wish I'd worked more hours. I wish I'd played golf more on Sunday. I don't hear that. What I hear is people saying, I've heard you can't outgive God. And I've heard you can't outserve God. I've heard that. Would you bow your heads, please? Now, this was a hard one, but it's a good one. So, so Dwayne, where do I start? Fortunately, that's not hard. It's some of the stuff you already know, but I'll go and throw it out real quick. Um, number one, number one, I, I would begin with a personal quiet time. Uh, you don't need to spend an hour. You know, give God about 15 minutes in the morning 
read some scripture. It doesn't have to be a big chunk, maybe a verse or two. Ask God to speak to you through that verse or two. Uh, version has tons of reading plans. There's lots of stuff online. But I would begin letting God speak into my life and applying what, you know, what, God, what do you want me, what do you expect of me from this verse? God, what do you want me to do with this verse? I would take a look at where I attend church and how I attend church. I would look at it and see how my schedule, how's, how's your calendar look? Okay, Judy told me yesterday, you know, and we were even talking about this. Dwayne, you know how you determine your relationship, the depth of your relationship. It's your calendar and your checkbook. How's that look? How's that look? I, I would take whatever efforts it needs to. These sermons are online. If, if you want to go back, I need to listen to that again. It's on YouTube. Go back. I'm not a note taker. I won't tell you to take notes because I don't do it. When I go to a conference, if Judy's not there, I just listen and hopefully apply. So I would go back and listen to it again if I needed to. I would let it work its way into my heart and change my heart. That's what I would do. Oh, and I quit listening to the world. Because the world does not have your best interests in mind. God does. God does. Lord, I want to thank you for the privilege of sharing this. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll help us. We just cry out for your help. Uh, we live in a culture that's going south spiritually. We know that. It's not all lost. It's not an oh my sermon. It's not an oh my prayer. But the truth is our culture is walking away from you. Help us to be strong. Help us to invest in your word. Help us to invest in Christian friends. Help us to invest uh, and become stronger um, in you during these critical times. I pray for my friend who might be here like I was in church and lost. Father, I pray that you'll speak to their hearts and draw them. Jesus to yourself. Father, I pray that the seed that is sown will find fertile ground in our lives and produce. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.